0: All right, welcome to an experiment with lead different once again. I'm joined by Karen. How are you doing, Karen? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm brilliant, Karen. You are the reason that we have today's guest on the show. I will take all the credit for that. I, <laughs> you've introduced me to this wonderful person, uh, and we've been getting to know her, and I'm excited to have her on the show. I'm actually over the moon to have have her on the show. And today's guest, let me welcome you, Amina Mendez Acosta. How are you doing, Amina?
1: I'm doing very good. Hi, James. Hi, Tyron. I'm so excited to be here with you guys.
0: Amina, where are you joining us from today?
1: So I am joining um, from Nueva Ecija, Philippines. It's about four to six hours uh, north of Manila.
0: We are so pleased to have you here. Uh, people are probably wondering why I'm so excited to have you on. And one of them is your story, because I think your story is incredible. I think it's uh, empowering. I think it's, uh, it's inc- a story of hope. Uh, And it's a story of energy and effort and drive and all these incredible things. But also, beyond that, what you're doing now is incredible. Uh, So now, can you give us your job title? But then, because job titles mean nothing, tell me what you actually do and what you're part of with that job title.
1: Right. Um, No, it is exciting. So I am a research um, analyst which for some people is like, well, it doesn't really you know, doesn't really um, do anything. But I'm really incredibly excited about my work because part of the things that we do is try to understand um, the reasons and the status of uh, stuff like poverty. And especially now with the pandemic, we're trying to exam- understand, exam- for example, why girls um, aren't able to get access to quality education, and especially with the school closures. What are the particular obstacles um, that they are facing when they're turning back to school? Uh, education, especially girls' access to education, is a big part of, of development and getting families out of poverty. So I think it's a really exciting field to understand so that we can do more about it.
2: Oh, that's amazing. And let, let's just highlight the organization that you are working for. Like, this is not just your backyard kind of local community development. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, <laughs> there's, this is a legitimate organization that you're working for. It's pretty extraordinary.
1: Um, yes. So, Centre for Global Development is a policy think tank, and they do a lot of stuff. Um, they do stuff on vaccine and health and sanitation and poverty and trade, Um and But also gender and education, which is what I'm working on. But, yeah, it is it is an exciting step. It's very rewarding.
0: And I, as I say, I'm I glad you mentioned that, Karin, because I'm like, oh, that's cool. But then I'm like, when I hear where she's working, I'm like, oh, I couldn't get a job there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I couldn't imagine being here as well. But, you know, life has a way of putting opportunities um, at the right time to get you where you need to be. So, you know, if you want to be here, you could be here, too. <laughs>
0: That's true. Now, Kyron, I want to throw to you because you are the reason that I've gotten to meet Amina. Um, Now, how did you hear about Amina? Tell us a little bit about what you do that, yeah, just to give us 30 seconds.
2: Yeah, well, with my work with Opportunity International Australia, uh, you know, we're ending poverty in developing countries through the power of a small loan, one family and one community at a time. Uh, And often we will take, or during non-pandemic times, we'll take supporters across to see some of the work and meet some of the clients that we're dealing with. And I was uh, in the Philippines um, with some of the, our supporters and some of our staff, and I actually met Amina, who was working for one of our partners, ASCII, at the time. And um, I, you know, had heard amazing things about her that she was extraordinary. But I don't think I realised until after I got home just how extraordinary she was, yeah. uh, and the amount of, I guess, effort and time and intelligence that she put into her work. But you know, we connected then, um, and have managed to stay in contact since.
0: That's awesome. and because you know, weirdly different, we love what opportunity to do, and we support you guys in any way that we can. Um, now, Amina. Back to you because you're the reason we're doing this. <laughs> uh, I want you to think way, 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 way back because um, – or maybe it's not that far back because I don't know. But, but back when you're a small child of four and five years old, what is day-to-day life like for you and your family? Like You've got mum and a dad. Any siblings?
1: Um, I do have a younger sibling. Uh,
0: younger sibling. So the four of you in the family. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What was day-to-day life like for the four of you?
1: Well, it was, it was a very typical um, – rural, provincial, Filipino life, and I think something that um, many girls, especially in developing countries, would experience, it was, so my father did not finish um, high school. He was a tricycle driver. My mother finished college, but she didn't have um, a stable job. It was the time of the uh, people power revolution, like political upheavals and everything. So my dad was a tricycle driver. My mother was a farm laborer. And between the two of them, they would get in about $4, um, I think, Australian dollars, for Australian trillion a day. And one of my earliest memories would be um, them leaving before sunrise uh, to work as a tricycle driver, as a farm laborer, and they won't be back home until maybe after dark. Um, And a child doesn't really know what poverty means. Like if if you ask a four or five, even like a nine, ten-year-old, are you poor? I mean, he he or she would probably have an answer, but they wouldn't really understand what it means. But for us, day-to-day, it was looking back, it's about, the whole uncertainty not knowing if you'll have dinner um at night or waiting for your dad to come home so that you can cook rice um not knowing if you're ever you know not knowing if you'll be able to go to school um like like other girls and then i had especially in in our village it's a farming community it's farming village at the time that i was going um in the like the preschool kindergarten there would be one teacher for two grade levels um, because there wasn't enough teachers at the time wow. um it was common so how many
0: how many so how many students total would that be
1: um i can't remember but i would imagine maybe like 20 30 um for the two grade levels like so the, wow. the children are the right will be like one grade level and on the left will be another <laughs> grade level with the same teacher at the same time um it changed wow. like a few years forward now we have a lot more teachers a lot more students um but it was just, that was, that was life. And it was normal for kids to only finish like grades three or four or five before they get pulled out and have to work on the fields. Um, not because their parents didn't want them to school, but there's, you know, they need the help. And, yeah. and it wasn't, the investment on education wasn't, they, they, I mean, it wasn't, it didn't mean that things are gonna change for them. So there was an incentive to send kids back to school. Um, but yeah. So how did
0: you? How did you like? So what were your like? What were your parents thinking, <laughs> keeping you in school? <laughs> I
1: know, crazy, right? Um, but my mother is a college graduate, and she has been. Uh, she was an overseas Filipino worker. She has seen um, many things in her life, I think, and she knew what the value of education is. And one of the things that my dad would tell me, um, he was a tricycle driver, so he'd drive me to the school. He would pick me up one of the things that I always hear him about bragging to other people and also telling to me is that there is no way that he can give me any inheritance aside from maybe a mountain of debt. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but one thing that he can give me and that what they're trying to give us at the time is the best education they could afford. Um, because maybe, you know, there's a chance that we could, my sister and I could experience a life that's different from what we're born into. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's not exactly revolutionary, but also that's quite, a different mindset from what you would usually find with families or with parents in the same situation that we were with.
0: Yeah. I'm going to push back on you. That is revolutionary.
1: It is, isn't it? Um, it's That's,
0: it- That is revolutionary. That is extraordinary. And if your dad was, a, if I could do it, I'd give him a massive high five.
1: <laughs> they're in, um, yeah, they're in the farm right now, but I'll let them know. Um, but yeah. And even in my work, and and this is sort of like flashing forward already in sort of my research development work with ASCII and now with CGD. It's it's one thing to give like opportunities, but it's another entirely thing for a person to believe that something could change, especially with especially in the scenario where everybody is as poor as you are, and for children who were born in this life and who expect to die in the same yeah. way. That's. I mean, there's really one word for it, right? Hope. You hope yeah. for your yeah. children to have a better life, so you send them to school. But it's not always easy to hold on to, or to have that hope and to hold on through it, you know, through the ups and downs.
0: So, did you did you grow up with that innate hope then? Because that was kind of you remember your dad saying that. But did that then build into you a hope of change? Or by the time you know you're you're going along in life, and by the time you're graduating primary school or finishing primary school, it's still you're like, well, supposedly it's going to change, but I don't see anything like. Like how was your mindset? Do you remember that? Or?
1: I do because it has um, dictated a lot of the decisions that I made in my life. I mean, growing up, it's it's great, but it also puts a lot of pressure on you, right? So early on, I needed to achieve academically, not just for my parents to be proud, but because I have to change my family's life. Especially when I went to high school, for example, it was a state science high school. I want yeah, There was an entrance exam; you can only get in if you like. You want a place, and it was, you know, there was a lot of demand because it's cheaper and it's really high quality. So I got a place in there. I was the poorest um student there. Um I had like everybody had like Was that
0: was that obvious to you? Like could you feel oh I'm the I poorest student? I could and my here. friends
1: could see it. I mean, so for example, if there's an event at school, there will be like cars and then there will be our tricycle. It will be the only vehicle with Three wheels. Everybody else has four, <laughs> um, yeah. and then you know lunch boxes. You would you would see the type of food that you have. Had. Um, yeah, and then I yeah I would like the canteen. There's all these expensive sandwiches that all my uh, co students were buying. and I had, like, which I wouldn't I, I wouldn't complain. It's but but yeah. still you know it's it's it was it, it was frustrating for me, but in a way that really helped me made a resolution that. I want to do well in school because I want to change my family's life because this life is not the way we're supposed to be. You know, that kind of exposure gives you a drive to change something because you you've already seen that it's, you know, there's another life that's possible.
0: And that and at high school was when your eyes were really open to that, is kind of what you're saying. Like
1: Yes, because your yeah. your role just goes beyond i went to a different um so that's also when i left my hometown i was w- w- going to a high school that's from a different city
0: oh so did you move away out of your parents house
1: no yeah i was uh, do- i was like doing a commute an hour um each way in the morning an hour back um there were a lot of wow. people asking my parents like why did you have to send her there there's like a local high school closer by but again my parents you know had this <laughs> drive that only the best education, um, as, as we could afford. So there was, there's a common, um, there's a Filipino term called igagapang salupa, which is crawl, I think on land. And they promised that to us that even if they have to the crawl on land, they would, they would send us to the best schools they could afford.
0: Wow. That's amazing. You're incredibly blessed to have parents who were doing that but at the same – and this is, what, this is one of the, the interesting things in where Karen the, the organization Kyron works with, comes in and intersects with your family's life around this same kind of time, doesn't it?
1: It does, yes.
0: Can you tell us the story behind that?
1: Right. So um, Opportunity International works with microfinance organizations that they give a smaller loans, small business loans, um, to people who otherwise wouldn't afford it. Now, on one hand, it doesn't seem like much especially if we're talking about like a hundred maybe a hundred dollar loan like what can you do with it but for my parents for example or for a lot of typical microfinance clients they can't afford to go to the bank because uh, the the loans are too small for the bank to serve them it doesn't make sense for banks to do that also they may not have documentation um, we're, we're speaking of people who might not have an ID they don't they're not employed they're not government employee if, if it's a farm laborer you don't really expect yeah. them to have assets for collateral or even or some can't even read and write so then how do you afford that they, they won't be able to access financial services so a small loan like that could be a start of a business that could change their lives um and that was what happened for us so if you don't have access to banks in the philippines at a time the only the only loan or credit that you have access to are like 20 percent interest um Twenty percent, yes, or even higher, because these are loans from, you know, informal lenders. They have to cover their risk, um, and it's not regulated. Especially, it's it's just you know somebody five houses down the road who has extra money. Um, who's willing to right. Okay, that. Yeah. Um, so that was what's available. And if you're fighting against that interest, it's hard to get a business up or running. Or it's hard yeah. to save. Um, insurance is what? What is insurance? <laughs> <laughs> so my parents were, my mom received a 120, I think Australian dollar loan. She bought three little piglets with it um, and tried to start a small piggery. Um, it didn't succeed at first. I think they failed a few times because, it, but The the microfinance loan came with mentoring with a development officer, and slowly my mom learned how to do the business right. Um, Of course, they would have to repay the loan, and they have to try again. Yeah, yeah. And then it was a little hard, really hard at first, Um, but then they started the business going, and it made life a little easier for us um, when I was in high school.
0: So three little pigs, which sounds like some kind of nursery rhyme. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Did they each build a a (laughs) hat? They were very- was there a big, bad wolf? <laughs> well, they
1: were very delicious. <laughs> I remember that part.
0: <laughs> so what was the actual business that she started from the pigs? Was it just like breeding pigs to sell to eat kind of thing?
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, they would breed pigs, they would butcher it, and they would sell it um, in the village because you get a bigger margin that way instead of like pushing it, you know, just selling it outright.
0: Ah.
1: So it's farm cool. Uh little pigs, um, and then, you know, we sell – we make really good uh, pork adobo with that.
0: I kind of want to try it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was telling you, I was like I said earlier, I grew up with a, with a bunch of Filipino friends, and so yeah, pork adobo. Um, right. I kind of want to try it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Karen, Ky- is this a pretty typical story? Just um swinging to you for a bit of how this
2: well y- yes and no like it's typical in the sense that the majority of the the people that we work with the families that we work with on the ground or the, or the clients um, this is what life looks like for them at the start like they are unable to put enough food on the table they can't send their kids to school they they mm-hmm. find themselves uh, really vulnerable to life shocks so like illnesses um, or school fees, or like a death in the family, or they, there's a, 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 even a, a religious festival or something that they are required to be a part of. And that puts them in this financially vulnerable position where they are in debt. Uh, and so a lot of the clients that we work with start from negative um, which is that's normal. Probably, what's the unusual part is kind of where Amina has ended up. Like we work with six over six million families, um, and not all of their children end up working for the Center of Global Development, um, but they are—they all end up providing for their family and creating a, a new life for them and a life for their children. Yeah, that's incredible. Now I'm interested
0: back with you, Amina. Like so. I imagine as a kid growing up, uh, you're four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and your your world is really small. Your expectations are small, Um, you know, of your future and stuff like that. So when things began to open up for you, do you remember, is there a particular time when you actually kind of can remember a situation where things began to open up and you're like, this might be possible that I can actually begin to do something? Or is there anything like particular moments like that?
1: Um, I think it's it's a small realizations, so, you know, bit by bit, a small building blocks so, of you know my parents being proud. In elementary, I graduated top of my class. Um,
0: in high school as well, <laughs> I had
1: I know Asian thing, right? Gotta be tough. But also like just
0: wait, you did it in high school as well.
1: Uh, I was one of like the top three, um, but yeah, but but so it was a little. It was built it was an awareness of of being able to do stuff that other people maybe wouldn't expect because you didn't have the same opportunities, especially when I was in school with other children who had far better elementary education or have parents who have stable government jobs. Um, But in terms of like, I remember my high school graduation in particular and I was telling you about my tricycle, and, and so it was outside of the graduation stadium. All of these very nice cars, and then our tricycle. And then I told my dad that you know one day we'll have that. Um, but it also made me very proud, and I think they were very proud at the time that we were, a cl- you know, out of the whole class, and everybody has all these opportunities. And they were great people, but also, but but you know, it it does something for a girl like me who I know was trying to fight against other bigger odds maybe than than other people to be able to achieve for example when it went on that stage and got an honor um and they were very very proud and they were you know uh, before it was shameful to admit that oh we were poor but then during graduation time when I hear my parents you know talk to other people um and say yes we are poor um but my daughter you know got an award like this um yeah yeah it's so it's being able to excel in something and um, being able to do some more something, even even though you have limited resources, I think like that that part of um of my thinking and my viewpoint uh really changed in high school, especially on that yeah. graduation when I it was very stark comparison of my parents and other people's parents. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah. So I thought that was that's that's sort of a moment um for me.
0: Yeah, and so within you, that's like. I'm actually awesome. Is that kind of like a moment that kind of happens? like I'm actually pretty cool like is that kind of what you're talking about like i've I've achieved something really big here
1: that I can do something um that i could it was it was a feeling a realization that I can do things. It wasn't just yeah. that you know you're you're awesome, you're good. it was just that yeah. I can actually change things. Um, especially because as, as I start looking at the differences between my family and um, other children's family, what's, what's the difference. And usually it's, all I can see is that maybe their parents have better jobs, um, and therefore they have better opportunities. They have, you know, less the uncertainty of struggling. Um, and if they can do that, and if education is the path forward and, and I'm doing well in it, then maybe I can change our life, um, that's yeah yeah, that's sort of the learning for me
0: that's incredible so then after high school do you go work on a farm well like what's your what's your next step (laughs) after high school
1: so after high school and you know growing up with this mantra that you could you know um go to school so i took the entrance examination for for the top universities um in the philippines and i passed and i wanted to go um it was in manila but my mom, even though we had a small business going, my mom and I had to sit down talk one night. And she was crying. I was crying because I really wanted to go. And she said, that even if you sell me <laughs> in every single procession we have, we won't be able to send you where you, where you want to go. And that really broke my heart um, because, you know, I was on fire. We we're going to change our life. Yeah, lives you got and- all this
0: momentum going. <laughs> like, I'm doing stuff. I'm incredible. I can change things.
1: Um, <sighs> and, and to be told that, no, you can't. But you know, because of reasons that you can't control, it's um, it kind of sh- shakes your faith too in many ways. Because why give me, Lord? Why give me a dream that you wouldn't yeah. give me a way out to? Um, but uh, obviously, you know, the story didn't end there because the scholarship, a college scholarship, game, via the microfinance institution that mom, my mom, um, uh, is a client of for some years now. At the time. So it was a full scholarship. It was funded by a wonderful couple um, from the U.S. It was Helen Gordon Smith Foundation. Um, It's an organization called APEN. And they gave full scholarship, full college scholarships to children of microfinance clients. I took the entrance exam. I passed the interview. And um, uh, June of that school year, I was in Manila about to start uh, my college degree in the University of the Philippines. I was doing a Bachelor um, of Science in Mathematics. It was my dream, and it was happening.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. And so you started you start university in Manila, and you're it's actually happening now. I know you actually grad did you you graduated from another college though, didn't you?
1: I did, I did, and it's amazing. <laughs> what um, happened? There? <laughs> so, so on my third year, the scholarship sort of had a promotion or an extension um, going, where two of the top, like two um, students in the scholarship program. Were able to finish their college in the United States. So, um, wow. on my third year, I transferred to Ohio Wesleyan University, which was also the um, this university of where the couple that was sponsoring us graduated, so I had to, had to tie it
0: So oh, to your alma mater kind of thing?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and So, I went there, and then um, I finished my degree in the U.S., and I imagined, you were asking about moments, and it was another moment for me. In one of our school, trip, uh, school trips, we were in uh, New York, um, one of those international, you know, school trips that uh, we didn't have to yeah. pay for because, you know, how could I? But we went there, and we went to New, uh, Times Square, um, and I was just standing there, that just, just seeing all the lights, and um, I was crying because, you know, I I was nobody. I was I wasn't supposed to even go to school, and there I was in New York City, doing finishing my degree, um, and. You know, there are moments in your life when the possibilities just suddenly expand. It was one of yeah. those moments. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and, and for me, one of the fascinating things is that not only the opportunity to present it, but you expanded with it, right? So sometimes, and because I've had this to happen to me and to other people, uh, and by the way, your story is so powerful, I, it's just you're moving me a lot. <laughs> but sometimes we meet moments and the, the horizons expand of what's possible. But we shrink back and we're scared. And I've seen this happen to a lot of people. But from your story, one of the things that I love is that not only do your horizons expand, but you go with it because you could have pulled back and gone, no, that's just too much. I can't do this. I can't possibly. What would possibly happen? I just, I think you're incredible, I Amina. Mean.
1: <laughs> Thank you. But I would also caveat that um, that in that time, I was also trembling. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not that you're I mean, doing I haven't this grown easily. It's, we, we talked about drive and, you know, being able to change my family. But to have sort of that responsibility as well, I graduated when I was 19 years old. Um, and to have, like, the responsibility of changing your family's life, it, it felt as well that I had no choice but to expand. Um, of course, yeah. now I look at that um, and think it was um, a gift. Um, but also, you know, um, part of it is that when you're faced with adversity and you get an opportunity to expand, as you were saying, then you grab it because you know how rare it is to have that kind yeah. of opportunity.
0: So, and because what I love is that you're actually open and honest with the fact that just because you're expan- your horizons and the opportunities are expanding, it doesn't mean you just walk into it like the trembling sitting there, the enormity of that situation. I love the fact that you're honest about that. Um, and did you feel pressure from other people? Was it just a self-imposed pressure, do you think?
1: Um, I think it's both because when you're – it's a little bit like – it's a little cliche, I think, but, but really when you look your destiny on the face, <laughs> yeah. all that drive, but the people around you, 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 you have to take it, especially for me, um, who's – my parents have sacrificed so much for me to be in that particular moment. And I know how rare an opportunity is even now. I can't imagine that, you know, things have happened the way they have. Then you have no choice but to really embrace it. I was afraid of, of failing um, because yeah. when I fail, it's not just my own career. It's it's my own family's lives that we're talking about. My sister was about yeah. to get into college. She has to finish her degree. She doesn't have the same scholarship that I have, but she has to do that too. She has to be given Yeah. She has to, to find her own way. I need to help her. So yeah, so it was it was a very scary moment. But then when you when you really when you when you've experienced the things that you have experienced and the adversities that you have to face, then you have no choice and you're forced to expand and step up to it. You claim it. Even with all the reservations that that I might have about my own capacity, you have to step up and claim it and make it and see it through to the end.
0: Yeah. Gosh. The drive. 'Cause yeah, wow. <laughs> Cause I'm just even thinking in high school when like the other resources that the kids have got versus what you have and you finish third in your class in the top three in your class. Like
1: it's very easy to get discouraged, right? But, but especially yeah. when you see other people that might be blessed. But so so when I was um, I finished high school and we were talking about college, um, and, and, and that it was a no, um, it was it was uh, it was a big point in my faith as well because I had this question of like, why would you give me this dream and not give me a way to get it done, to see through it. Yeah. And then when yeah. I did finish um, college, I I, I, I I was a summa cum which was really fun. My parents were so proud.
0: Gosh! Um, <laughs> Now, can you explain? Because we don't use that language in Australia. Can oh. you explain summa, summa cum laude? So,
1: it's when, so I, there are three Latin honors, I think, in the US system, cum laude, magna cum laude, summa cum laude. Like you have to get a certain grade point. So I graduated with like um, 3.9 out of four was the average. Four was like the highest that you could get. And and that was the answer to my question. That um, yes, yeah. I gave you a dream and I'm going and I gave you a way to do it. it was going to be hard, it was supposed to yeah. be hard. Because I was supposed to do something bigger than I thought I would be able to do. Um, so I graduated, um, and then I, part of growing up, like understanding and seeing all these things and understanding deeply what poverty means and what hopelessness means, um,
0: yeah.
1: I had to do something that's significant with my life. I couldn't, um, I couldn't. <laughs> just you know yeah. right off to the sunset <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah like so, i've got my degree everything's done <laughs> <laughs> um
1: so even in my choice of career so i went back and joined the microfinance institution that gave my mom her first loan um i was their uh, corporate planning officer um, corporate planning manager for about five years so i was helping wow. develop products and services it was it was at first it was a drive to change my family's life and then it became a a drive to change other people's lives beyond my own families. There are thousands, millions of girls yeah. and other children that had the same situation that I was with um, there. So it was a drive to pay it forward, whatever resources that were given to me, which were a lot.
0: Yeah. and That's I think, incredible.
1: I think that's where I met um, Kyron when he yeah. visited the Philippines.
0: Yeah. So you've done some other stuff since then, right?
1: I have. So, um, in about, so after five years, my understanding of poverty and what how to get people out of it sort of um, expanded again in the way that there are other inputs like government policies Um, there are other barriers structural ones that might need uh, different tools so and I wanted to understand it more I wanted I I didn't want to just be you know at the end of the development chain where you're affected by by sort of the forces I want to really understand what's going on and how to make That's a better place for everybody. Um, So I applied to several universities. I got a full scholarship for um, a master's in global human development in Washington, D.C. at Georgetown University. I was there in 2017. Which,
0: for our Australian listeners, Georgetown is, like, it's one of the top universities in America.
1: I think at the time I was attending there, there was, like, a Saudi uh, Saudi Arabian prince who was also there. (laughs) And there were, like, several daughters and sons of senators oh no like I georgetown,
0: crazy. yeah i'm like you don't just don't just race past the fact that it's a georgetown that you got a full ride master's scholarship well i'm not letting you do that <laughs> that's incredible it right was, it was. like yeah. as a girl from the provincial of, of the philippines from province of the philippines to be like oh i've got a full ride at georgetown i'm just flying there now <laughs> like your flight to Georgetown to go join. Was that an incredible, just sitting on the plane going, I'm going to Georgetown for free?
1: <laughs> it, was, it was very grateful. It was, it was such a shock. I had professors who were like chief of the World Bank. I mean, they just rode a taxi to get to Georgetown because it was like right in the next neighborhood. We got like, <laughs> had professors who were advisors to the president, Obama, the previous administration, um, sort of stuff like that but yeah. also there's an awareness that what you whatever you're given you're supposed to make something of it and there's an more enormity of the opportunity but there's also an enormity of you know what's going to be asked of me after this one am i even with all the things that have happened there's always the question of am i enough um, yeah. to be doing this do, what I, the skills that i bring in is it enough to see, to see me through and you know to do what i'm supposed to do
0: I think what's resonating in me and my respect for you is that to grow, to be asking that question, but to be still trying to answer that question of, Am I enough? Especially when everything about what your upbringing says, What is a girl from here? Like, what is a girl who grew up in a province who we couldn't, we didn't know where dinner was coming from? Like, we're going to eat this day. Am I enough? to actually do something with what I've been given. And the fact that you've stepped into that and go, let's find out. <laughs> that is, that's incredible, right? Bit, Am I, is that, Karen, are you yeah, hearing no, I'm, of-
2: I'm hearing it exactly like that. And so I think like, what I wanted to unpack a little is is the, in those moments of, of self-doubt, in, the, in that moment where um, university was not an option and it's like barrier, straight down um how do you how did you take the next step forward instead of spiraling into well I can't do anything anyway I'm just going to give up
1: at first especially during in high school um, or in college it wasn't a, it, there wasn't much choice for me I have to because the stakes yeah. are bigger than myself um and even if the stake was just for myself you know you have to yeah. you, you owe it to yourself so so if those instances, where you hit rock bottom where you know you don't see what the next step is gonna be and you just you take blind faith and step forward. At the time it was mostly because I I have no choice. I have to step forward. Uh, because yeah. I've seen I've been there. I've seen what it looks like if I don't do it. Mm-hmm. I've I've already grew up poor. I'm not I I've, I've already seen it and I'm not it's it's not going to satisfy my soul. Yeah. It's not I have to take this chance. And then later on when You know, it was better financially. My sister graduated um, with a teaching degree. She's now a public school teacher. Um, That's awesome. It's, yeah. And we renovated our house. Um, I think the first time an Opportunity International um, staff, Mark Daniels, um, came in in our house when I was in college, there was so our our roof was made of thatch. What do you call it? Yeah. Catch grass? And mm-hmm. there were like yeah. holes. So yeah. he was there in midday and he can see like light streaming <laughs> on that hole. And he's been um back m- m- many times since. Uh, we've renovated our house. It's very it has a very pretty blue um roof now <laughs> over it. Yeah. Um so so later when it, it it the question never goes away of like are, are you enough? And I don't think it ever will, as long as I'm going, I, as long as, you know, you're trying to move beyond what you are. There's always, always going to be a question of, am I enough? No matter how many, how much you feel like, or other people feel that like you'll accomplish, it's also always going to be there, especially if, if you grew up with sort of like that question hanging on your head. But later, it wasn't just because I have to, it wasn't because I still have to, but now it's because I owe it to myself and I owe it to the people who supported me along the way. I owe it to the couple who sent me to college, to Virginia International, yeah. because before it was just my parents' sacrifice. But then as, as as I moved on, it were a lot of incredible people. And this couple, Helen and Gordon, who've never seen me in their life, but for some reason, because of their faith, they've invested so much to get me and, and a few others finished yeah. college. We, when you've got that, A debt of gratitude when you receive so much you have to be i have to pay it forward in some way otherwise i would never be you know you would never be satisfied um unless you paid it forward
0: but i actually love that because one of the things that we talk about with our leadership stuff is just how powerful gratitude is Mm. uh, and just how much when that gratitude is fueling you just how far it can take you and the impact it can make and that seems to be what you're like i'm so grateful for all these people investing me because I want. Let's. How'd you do at Georgetown?
1: The first year I was in Georgetown, I wrote um, an essay. So there was a Peter Drucker challenge. Mm. I wrote an essay called "Overcoming um, the Business of Overcoming Poverty," and what it means for what the word prosperity means when you live in such desperate circumstances. Um. It. Uh, that. Uh, Essay, I think, got um, third place in the challenge, and the awarding was in Vienna, in Austria. It was my first time in Vienna, and it was amazing just to be able to share like the story and OI's work and all the partners that worked with me. Um, sort of that platform. So yeah, it, it keeps giving.
0: So you wrote an essay where the prize was to go to Vienna.
1: Yes, yes, it was an essay for managers and entrepreneurs. It was a full. It was yeah. They they. They fully sponsored, you um, fully sponsored it.
0: That's amazing. It was. That's it some was. powerful words that can take you to Vienna. <laughs> I've, never, I've never written anything that powerful. <laughs> was,
1: I was just telling the story as usual. Um, it is incredible. And the more I hear people respond to my story, the more I realize how it's also a very rare opportunity that what I've been given. And I feel that there should be, it shouldn't be as rare. Like girls from villages that weren't supposed to go go to college, being able to go to college. It shouldn't shouldn't be that rare of a story. It should be a story that I hope that we get to a point where it is a normal story. Um,
0: And that's where you're working now, right? So you finished Georgetown and now this is what you're building, right? Everything you're doing is to help make your story a normal story.
1: I hope so. Um, i hope so, and it's it's sometimes it's hard see, with development, work, and I I guess Kyron um uh, could could relate to it. Sometimes you don't see the results right away, and it's yeah. it's easy even as with your personal. It was with our personal life. Even now, it's sometimes easy to get discouraged when you face when you're faced with setbacks. Investing um your resources or your career in like the business of overcoming poverty, helping others. Other people get out of poverty. It's not always easy because the results are not always tangible. It's not always like, you know, give somebody a loan and then, yeah. you know, they they, they, they make oh, the a yeah. business out of it and they get out of it. Um, so what I'm doing is mostly research-based where we look at, you know, the data, what's keeping girls back from school. COVID-19, the pandemic, has set development back decades to work that we've been doing for not just years but really literally decades were banned the united nations right all of those things could be unraveling right now because of the school closures and the pandemic and there are millions million of girls who might not be returning to school even when schools reopen so there's wow. it's um so sometimes it could be discouraging when you look at the enormity of this challenge um but as with with my own story and with other organizations we have no choice we have to keep we have to keep stepping forward. And we have to keep going because there's so many um, that that depends on on us. I'm my story is nothing without the actress that stepped in. I would still be here, maybe yeah. with, with, I wouldn't have been able to go to school at all. So yeah. so and
0: don't forget the three little pigs. Either. And
1: the three little pigs who sacrificed their life. They were very so delicious. <laughs>
0: they were committed. <laughs> they wanted to see you yeah. go to Georgetown. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's one of the things that I talk about is is what would have been lost had not uh, a, a small loan from from opportunity you know had not somebody stepped in with the scholarship what what this world what our world would have missed out on if uh, Amina had not taken that that journey um, and that for me is is a tragedy. And yet, what are we still missing? How many of those stories are we not getting to hear because they haven't had that same opportunity? And so, yeah, I'm inspired by, I guess, your journey, Amina, and your tenacity and your ability to go, yeah, well, I'm choosing to continue to putting myself out there, growing myself, taking that risk, asking the question of, am I enough, Um, but still leaning into it and stepping forward. Because
0: I would said like, there's nothing wrong with working on a farm and being a farm worker, but working on a farm because you have no other choice, mm. there's a problem in that. Uh, and if that had been your his, your future, I I could see a, a problem. Mm. <laughs> does that make sense?
1: It does. And and Karen's question of like, how many are there? The answer is far, far too many. Um, yeah. Yeah. Far too many. So the work is cut out uh, for us for a while for the rest of us um, moving yeah. forward.
0: Can I, can I? So here's a question that I like to ask people. So if you could recommend any book to read, just a significant book that's helped you in your growth journey in your along the way, what would you recommend?
1: Um, so there's a lot I could imagine, um, but one of the things that I remember, one of the book that I remember was um, um, was suggested to me by a mentor, John Maxwell's Intentional Living. Um, yeah. Because. I think one of the challenges for me then when my world was expanding is that there's so many things I want to do. Um, and sometimes your efforts and your your force and your energy are scattered too much. Um, yeah. maybe it could be like this personal thing or, you know, in hobbies etc. But for me, like, I wanted to do like 10 different ways. I wanted to be... Now that the world has opened up, I wanted to be like 10 different people. I wanted to, I didn't yeah. want to be a musician, <laughs> but I didn't have talents around with it, but I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be this, I wanted to be this, I wanted to be this. Yeah. And part of the learning as well, um, which w- way that book was, was was I think, came to me at the right time is learning to h- how to say no to some of those opportunities so you can say yes to the right ones. Mm. When, you know, I went to the US, I said no to a life that, you know, just, to, to finishing here in Manila, which could have been a good life. Um, yeah. Even when choosing careers, for example, or choosing where to invest your resources to, the, especially when you're struggling with all those questions of, um, of limited energy and limited time and limited everything, you have to be very smart about where you focus your energies on. And to me, yeah, learning that lesson early, you focus your energy on things that would make a significance, that would make a difference um, years yeah. forward.
0: If you could give like any kind of challenge to people who are our listeners, what would it be for them? Advice or a challenge? What would it be? If you get, or you know, if there was a billboard like the Tim Ferriss billboard thing, if you could put a build-up board with a question or a challenge for people, what would it be?
1: Um, I, th- I think a challenge would be chase significance, which a little cliche again, I think, um, but. I think that resonates with me, chase significance, um, yeah. because when you're a girl like me, you didn't have much options. Um, it's easy to set your dream to you know your once I finish, I get a job, I pay the debt, we're set. It's easy yeah. to define when you grow up in material poverty. It's easy to find success around material prosperity. Yeah, um, but I think a part of a part of what made me keep going, um, and is is that you define you you know you it's not just success or chasing significance because even even with economic prosperity there's still something that's going to be missing unless you're doing something that's beyond yourself so yeah. the, i think the challenge is wherever you are um, if you're a young professional or if you're a student that's not sure if you're ever going to be you know if you're ever going to be successful in life or if you're somebody who's already made it um, especially yeah. in Australia, I think, where a lot of, um, very, very privileged, a very privileged country. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it's chase significance because the rewards are far more enormous than if you just limit yourself. Um, do it for yourself too, helping others, being significant in many ways because you don't, you have no idea how many... People you're going to affect. My children won't have to face the same mm. adversities that I've faced, and it's yeah. going to be a generational thing. So when you, in, you when you chase significance and you invest on something that helps people out of poverty, you have no idea how that multiplies um, across yeah. villages, across communities, across generations. Um, yeah, and at the end of the day, I think you know that's that's what matters the most.
0: Yeah. Amina, this has been an incredible, powerful conversation. Mm -hmm. I didn't know I was going to need a box of tissues. I didn't (laughs) didn't know. Like I knew you were amazing, but I didn't know that you were going to be able to share your story so well in such a powerful way. And I appreciate you doing that for us here in Australia. Uh, And I want to add on that if if you do want to, you know, perhaps – Chase significance and invest in others. Opportunity International is one of the best ways I've seen. It is the best way I've seen, which is why my wife and I are behind it. It's why I Lead Different, we invest in it as well. So uh, I encourage you to invest in that, to create some more aminas, <laughs> give more amenas <laughs> a chance <laughs> um, to to begin to make an impact in the world. So I want to add that on as a challenge to people with, with your significant one. Um, Opportunity is an incredible way to do that. Thank you so much for joining us today, Karen. Thank you for introducing us to this wonderful person. Pleasure. Um, And I love the way that your worlds have intersected to create something extraordinary. Even though you guys have only met once, (laughs) and there's no reason that you should ever have met, yet this intersection has created this like force of nature of Amina.
1: Thank you very much for the opportunity to share my story here. Um, It's wonderful to meet both of you. And yeah, yeah. Thank you, and see you guys.
2: So thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time thanks for listening to the Lead Different podcast. At Lead Different, we are building leaders worth following. And if you'd like to find out more information about this and leading yourself well, head to leaddifferent.org.